Welcome back, everybody. We're going to have a conversation with Chris today. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. Absolutely. been looking forward to interviewing you. So with that said, Thanks. just kick us off with the one word open. Give us one word. To uh, if it's about business, that. it's always flexibility. Flexibility. <laughs> flexibility is always the key. I'll start and end there pretty much every time. I love that. That was really precise and firm. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah, Let's, hard to sum right. up in one word, obviously, but you know, you got to be yeah. adaptable. 110%. Okay. With that said, take the next few minutes, Chris, tell us about your background. Tell us about your business. Tell us about how sure. you got started, where you are at now and where you're heading. Okay. Well, I got out of uh, college in the early eighties in Montreal in Canada uh, as an economist. Um, and so, uh, you know, economists are, uh, are interesting because uh, they always have more than two hands, right? On the one hand, it's going to go like this. On the other hand, it's going to go like that. But on the third hand, I don't know, it's going to go some other way. So I had lots of thoughts about what to do about business. And as luck would have it, I, uh, I was a self-taught programmer, uh, which I'd been doing as a hobby. If you go back to like 82, 83, which is when that happened, uh, there was, uh, you know, PCs were new. Uh, and, um, and there wasn't like a whole lot of programming courses for say a PC. So I self-taught, I love doing it after work. And I met up with another fella who uh, was also in the same boat. And we took on a project in the project management domain. Now project management has been around for eons, but project management on PCs, on computers, that was a whole new deal. And so we did this project together for about a year. Uh, and it finished, went great. And we started to say, well, we should find something else. And we did. We found another project with Philips, you know, the large, uh, the large uh, technology company. We think of them for everything from shavers to, uh, to, um, uh, to all kinds of technology. But we, they had a PC division and they wanted, uh, they wanted a timesheet and project management system. So we said, great. And we wrote uh, software for them. And then we were kind of on a roll. We never really looked back. My partner at the time um, you know, was with the company for 10 years, and then he decided it was time to go off and do something different. And, uh, and I took that opportunity to shift from being a custom programming consulting kind of company to a software publisher. Uh, our first product was called Time Control, which is a timesheet for enterprise businesses, particularly oriented around uh, projects, but also the idea being that it can do more than just project stuff. Uh, so being a multi-purpose timesheet, and we've really never looked back. That's been driving the business since 1994. Wow, that is incredible. Talk about just consistency and continued success since 94. That is awesome. Yeah, so I mean, the business has been around since 84, but as a software publisher, we really date that business, the time control business since 94. And you, know, you mentioned timesheet in your opening. The timesheet business continues to be um, continues to be a strong business. I mean, we had our largest ever year this past year. We grew uh, by about 35%. I mean, the, the business continues to expand based on that flexible type of timesheet. I love that, which takes me to my next question. Tell yeah. us about the pandemic, how it impacted your organization and how you pivoted. I know you just said you had one of your best years ever. So tell we us did, how yeah. that, that looked like and how you got, got there. Well, the, uh, Pat, the things started shutting down. I was on spring break with the kids. And we were uh, driving home from Georgia to, uh, to home here. I live in Tampa. Uh, and it seemed like every time we got to a stop, they had just closed the town behind us. So it was a very weird kind of uh, period of time. But as, once we got home, we were all fine. And I, you know, I talked to our senior staff and said, OK, we're all leaving. Everybody's heading home. We're going to work from home. But I mean, we're a technology company. So we were pretty much set up for everyone to work from home. 
already from a technology standpoint. Um, and so everybody headed home. We thought it would last two weeks. Uh, it's now been two years. On Sunday, this Sunday, I fly back to Montreal for the first time in person to be in my office in two years. Um, and so staff are coming back in person. But um, but for us, in terms of the business, we kind of picked up one day. We picked up the you know started the next day, and in many respects, it didn't feel any different. But our clients had changed, so there was a lot of chaos from clients who weren't like us, weren't ready and set up to work from home, and suddenly had to be. So we've had over the last two years uh, a number of clients who've pivoted from on-site, on-premise installations of our software to our in-the-cloud subscription service. Um, so we have the same product, Time Control is available on-premise or online, um, and people can go either way. So we had a lot of those kinds of transfers of people going, our technical people aren't at the office. We need to get onto something as a service. Can you help? And we're like, yeah, we can do that tomorrow. Um, and so we did a bunch of that that has shifted a lot of more of our business to being in the cloud uh, subscription software as a service. What a shift going from on-site to virtual and then you could yeah, for, oh, that's crazy. well for them for them it was a, a big challenge for us we had known for quite some time time control online our software as a service has been out since uh 2011 so we'd already been there for years by the time the pandemic hit uh and the service was stable it was available in multiple countries so that if people who have data issues could could handle that and um and so we were and we had already had our on-premise product since 94 so we were quite ready to move between one version and the other. We'd also made some really good strategic decisions. We had decided that the on-premise product and the online product had to share the same code. So there would never be kind of an on-premise version that would go this way and an online version that would go that way. Otherwise, the shift for people might have been much harder. Um, and we'd already created a mobile product. Uh, this also became key. Um, particularly while people are not at the office, they're moving wherever they are. And so we were already kind of in that, uh, in a sweet spot for that kind of business, uh, you know, when the pandemic arrived. Wow, what, that's so fascinating. And, and you know, which takes me, leads me to my next question. You've had a lot of wins, obviously, <laughs> in your business as well. So can you think of the most recent one that was the most impactful one? Tell us real quickly what that win looked like and what was your takeaway from it? Yeah, I can tell you maybe the biggest, uh, the biggest one we've had, say, in the last five years has been AMD, you know, the, the Intel competitor, the, the chip maker. Uh, they started working with us a little over three years ago and deployed time control worldwide. Um, so it's tens of thousands of users. It's, um, it's uh, you know, a huge deployment. It's, com it's made complicated by running timesheets in multiple time zones and with people all over the place. Um, and uh, and they, worked, uh, they worked with us very much like partners. They had some specific demands. They, had, uh, they wanted to do things that would integrate with their own data center and have, a, uh, and have time control be integrated as a core part of their process. And they were absolutely sure they didn't want to write it themselves. They wanted an online service. They wanted to be able to access it through a, a programming interface for things that they wanted personally. And they wanted it to be performant and I mean, do the kinds of things you needed. And so they had looked at many different products, finally chose us, took about a year of work uh, together to, uh, to get it deployed. Uh, but they just did a case study for us uh, beginning of this year. Um, so that's like out on our website and you know, people can see the, you know, how that story worked. Um, for me, that's a, it's a huge win and it's a multi-year subscription win. I mean, we work on it. Uh, we work with them all the time, almost uh, you know, every week we're doing something. 
Um, and so that has gone uh, really quite well. Um, if you wanted me to pick a lesson learned, I'd have to say that um, it, it very much follows the philosophy we have with our client base, which is to treat our clients more like partners than as a um, as a destination for something we're delivering. So we think much more of long-term relationships. What are we doing to make you happy? What, uh, you know, what is it you need in order to have a business win? Really common in my office to say to a client, um, well, I hear the feature you're talking about, but what's the business purpose that you need to have resolved here? Because the solution is not you know, that button in blue on the right-hand side. The solution is something that helps your business. So that's where we put our focus. And with AMD, that was exactly how that worked. They were very specific, very um, intentional about what they wanted. Um, we had in the product already pretty much everything they needed, uh, except the experience and the expertise to you know, help them tie things together. They did a lot of work. We did a lot of work. But that's, that's where I think the win comes, treating your clients like a partner where you can. I love that. That was a huge learning lesson for all of us to hear from you. Could you repeat that one more time when you said you treat them like partners? Yeah, um, treating your clients like a partner instead of a destination for your product. So instead of saying, you know, I've, I've got a box, I've got to deliver my box and then we're done. Um, no, the, the solution is whatever your business problem was. Um, and we should work on that together. You know, what is the business problem you need to get resolved? We will, you know, help you if we can do that with what we have. And if we can't help your business problem, then it's probably not great to do business, right? You should find somebody else who can do that. Yeah, that's a really powerful lesson. And for all of us listening right now, that was a huge takeaway. So I wanted to acknowledge you for that, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Uh, let's shift gears over to thought leadership. Yeah. Give me your top three um, things that a person must possess to be an awesome thought leader in your point of view. Well, I guess the very first thing is you have to have some vision for something, right? If you're going to lead, you got to be able to pick a direction. Uh, you know, somebody you know, a paraphrased, uh, you know, proverb and said, you know, if you don't know where you're going, any path takes you there. Um, but no, I mean, a leader has to go somewhere. And so my responsibility in leading our team is to be in front, right, to figure out where the market is, where, um, you know, where the opportunities are, and what we can do and how we can take advantage of that and help people. Um, you know, my, my education as an economist, you know, it says, yeah, all kinds of different directions we could go. But, um, but that, I think, is, uh, is key. That's got to be the, the top. The second has got to be a uh, really profound tolerance for failure. Um, because if, uh, if you're the leader, you're starting from we have no path, right? I, I mean, if I'm just following somebody else, then I'm not really a leader. If I'm picking a direction and going somewhere, then you've got to be willing to say, okay, that really was awful. That didn't work well for us. Uh, let's stop doing that. And let's do something else. Um, and, uh, and not be beating yourself up about it. Not everybody is ready to be an entrepreneur. Not everybody should be an entrepreneur. There's a certain tolerance for things not working that are important. And I guess if, the, if I had to pick a third thing, it would be um, you know, relationships with people. And not just my people, but the people that I'm interacting with. Uh, my network of people, people like yourself, my uh, people who are uh, clients, people who have been consultants or have helped us in other ways, uh, suppliers, um, as well as, of course, our clients and our staff. And so, uh, so those would be my three top things if I was giving thought leadership advice. Beautiful. Um, now, for those potential customers of yours that are listening right now, what's yes. the number one pain point that they're facing that would make sense for them to check you out before we, before we get sure. to work. Yeah, it's a really fair question. I mean, so time control is our key product. Uh, it's a timesheet, 
And a timesheet's not hard to find. You can find 100,000 of them on Google. What mm -hmm. we've done that's different is to make a timesheet that can handle multiple purposes. So mm -hmm. what's really common for us is we arrive to a large enterprise group and we find out that there is a timesheet. In fact, there are multiple timesheets. One is being run by payroll and it's a time and attendance timesheet. Another is being run by the human resources department. It's a uh, vacation, sick leave, entitlement timesheet. A third one's being run by the project management people. Um, and that's trying to keep track of all the tasks and that a project timesheet. And then maybe a fourth one is being run for things like R&D tax credits. Nobody, I mean, nobody wakes up on Friday morning going, oh, Friday, I get to do my timesheet today. I mean, we may have that dream, but regular people do not. So any way to do less timesheeting at the end of the week is probably a win for the end user. And we're really sensitive to that. So we made a timesheet, you know, that very first example I gave you with Phillips, Phillips said, well, I need something for projects. Oh, and of course, payroll. And that we wrote it, I think, three times to finally get everyone in the room to go, OK, that's going to do. And by the time we were done, we had made something extremely flexible. That's why my first word of the day is always flexibility. Um, I think of myself as Mr. Gumby, you know, the little green doll that can go in many different directions. That's how we think of the product. So I think, uh, you know, I think uh, as we. Uh, you know, as we talk about, you know, what's important and how uh, and how to move the business forward, that was really key. Um, and for potential clients, if you have more than one timesheet, don't. I mean, it's just there's ways around doing that. Um, you know, we have we have many demonstrations on a regular basis where people go, if we could just get down. I remember a CIO said to me, if I could just get down to one, just one. And I laughed. Because he's like, yeah, we'll never get down to one. I said, well, how many do you have? And he looked around and he said, nine. Okay, you need to do less, right? Um, and nobody woke up and said, I've got a great idea. Let's put in as many different timesheets as we can and then think of all the vari vari variables we'll have. No, nobody does that. Each department, each group did the thing they thought was best for the company or the organization in order to get what they needed to move the business forward. I get that. But at a certain point, it's worth stopping and going, what are we doing? Uh, why do I have people filling in two timesheets, three timesheets, four timesheets in a week? Is there any better way? And so we spend you know, a lot of time educating people on, yeah, there is. And we can help. But if not us, find something else because it, that's not a good solution. That's really great. Thanks for giving us that overview. Um, now, if you want to take this opportunity right now, give out your website address, your social handles. That way, the sure. audience who's been listening to you, if they want to find out more information, they'll know how to find you. Well, if they want to find uh, the product or the business, the, the best place is timecontrol.com. Uh, all one word, T-I-M-E-C-O-N-T-R-O-L.com. Uh, and that'll get you to me or to the entire business. If people are really keen to talk to me for some reason, they can do that at my personal website, which is called epmguidance.com. And uh, you'll find my links to LinkedIn and, and stuff like that there if that's of interest to people. Great. Here we are at the end. What's your final close you want to close off with? Your flexibility got to be able to adjust got to be able to adapt um and so uh, yeah adapt adjust and be flexible that's got to be the beginning and the end every day i love it chris thank you very much for this conversation i really it's really my it. pleasure thank thanks be, be great to be on thank you